In today's episode of Comments Over Coffee, we're talking about if you should use contracts when you're working with brands. Should you use your own? Should you use theirs? And I'm going to be talking with you about things that you should keep in mind when you are negotiating contracts. And I'm going to include a tip to help you get bigger deals. So grab your cups on blur mug because we're starting right now. Welcome to Comments Over Coffee, where you will learn how to get better at YouTube and online video over a cup of coffee. Pour a cup for your host, Nick Nimmin. What is going on? My name is Nick. If this is your first time listening to Comments Over Coffee, I want to let you know that the comments from the show are pulled from the comments section of my YouTube channel or from the form on the commentsovercoffee.com website. So if you have a question about what it is that you are doing on YouTube, head over to commentsovercoffee.com and put your question in the form. And as long as I haven't answered it before, I will put it in the queue. I also want to let you know that I have curated an amazing list of tools for content creators. You can find it at bestcreatortools.com. Basically, if you're looking for any video editing software, audio processing software, apps, websites that can help you out as a YouTuber, podcasts, pretty much any of the stuff that you need as a content creator, you can find my personal curated list of the stuff that I use or the stuff that I know is quality so you don't have to go through the headache of, you know, trying to figure out if something sucks or not. So head over to bestcreatortools.com whenever you are looking for anything that you're trying to find for your YouTube channel. So our question today comes from Shane of Shane Creates and Shane asks, as my channel is slowly continuing to grow, I'm beginning to have more opportunities for video sponsorships. My question is, when I'm working with companies for a sponsored video, do you recommend sending a contract or an agreement to them? I know sometimes they have a contract to agree to, but is there something that I should do or send that protects me or my content? If so, are there any samples or resources out there available? I'm just curious on the best practices for this to protect myself as a creator. Thanks so much. Excellent question, Shane, and I'm really excited to answer this one today. Now, I have some information of my own that I want to share with you about this, but because I'm not a lawyer, I actually reached out to Ian Corzine, who is a social media lawyer, and I'm actually going to hand it off to Ian right here in a second, but I want to let you know, as soon as Ian is finished explaining this to you, I'm going to come back in as well, and I'm going to share some additional tips for you, so make sure that you hang out for that. But without further ado, here is Ian Corzine. Thanks, Nick. This is a common question. Do I recommend you sending your own written contract to a possible brand sponsor? And the answer is yes, but I will say that most sponsors aren't very receptive to your own or to an influencer's own written contract. However, I do believe you should do it. Here are the steps. The first thing is to get your own written contract, custom written by a lawyer. How you do that is you can go to my website, iancorzine.com, or you can go to some other lawyer's website and download the template that you need for that potential brand deal. When you're negotiating with the brand, you send over your contract and request that you use this contract as the basis for the deal. Sometimes they'll accept it. Sometimes they'll try to incorporate your provisions into their own contract. But the bottom line is most sponsors have their own deals, their own written contracts that they want to work with, and they're most favorable to them. So what most of the time happens is that a potential influencer will get the contract from the sponsor and then he or she will send that to his social media lawyer to review, to make any changes and to be able to advise that influencer about the provisions of the contract. A lot of times they don't favor the influencer and so the influencer should know that before signing on the dotted line. 
Those are the main steps to being able to get a written contract done with the sponsor. You know what? If you contact an attorney, it's not that big a deal. Oftentimes, it costs between $200 and $400 for a review and some changes to the contract you get from the sponsor, but it's well worth it. You know, I always talk about my accountant. When I was young, I hired an accountant. It cost $1,000 to do my tax returns, but he saved me $5,000. Same is true with lawyers. You hire them and it costs a little bit of money up front, but ultimately they are going to save your butt. So I'd highly recommend any influencer contemplating doing deals, spend a little money with an attorney up front and be able to get that deal done right. If you have more questions, no problem. Go to my website, iancorzine.com. You can set up a consult and we could answer any more questions you have. All right. Thanks, Nick. And thank you so much for that question. Thanks, Ian. I appreciate your contribution here to Comments Over Coffee. Always awesome to have some legit legal advice coming through. Some additional things that I want to talk about when it comes to the business side of YouTube is, of course, it's always best to protect yourself even as you're growing. A lot of content creators, a lot of people that are doing this, when they first start working with companies in any capacity or they start doing anything on a professional level with their content, they think to themselves, oh, I'm just getting started or I'm a new content creator or I'm still small or whatever, you know, whatever framing you want to put around not having a large following yet. And because of that, they assume that they'll just be OK. Right. But I want to let you know that, you know, when you're just getting started, you know, you're extremely vulnerable in that point, because when brands are working with you and you don't have a lot of experience yet, if they look through your video content and they notice, hey, they don't have any sponsored videos yet, they know that you're new. So because of that, some brands, probably not anybody reputable, anybody that, you know, that would be worth working with. But there's going to be some people that will reach out to you and they will see that and they'll see that as an opportunity. And that opportunity will be to where they might be able to grab full like full rights to your content that they might mix that into a contract. And basically what that means is that when you publish a video, you publish it to your channel, but because they sponsored the video, they also have full rights to do anything they want with that video, which would include re-uploading it to YouTube, which could also include giving you a copyright strike for you having the same video up, even though you created that video. Now, in most cases, that's not going to happen. But I just want to let you know, as like a worst case scenario, something that could possibly happen in that situation, something that you would at least have to deal with if you are not protecting yourself. Now, other things, you know, when you're a small content creator, if you don't come through for whatever reason, your computer goes down, your camera goes down, something like that. If you're a small content creator, you're not doing it, you know, you're not taking the legal approach like Ian was talking about. Then in that situation, you're also putting yourself at risk in terms of just your stuff, because if you're a new content creator, there's a really good chance you haven't set up a corporation yet or any other type of legal entity to protect yourself. So because of that, you know, you're putting yourself personally at even more risk when you are not using a lawyer and taking the professional route in order to protect yourself and make sure that you are protected. So I just wanted to make sure that I stress that part of it just so that I can let you know that it doesn't matter if you have a small following. What matters is you are going into a legal agreement of some kind. And since you are going into a legal agreement of some kind, the amount of followers you have has no bearing on that agreement. It's a legal process that does put you at risk in the event that you can't hold up to your side of the contract. Now, I also want to let you know that another option when you are working with brands, another option is to, outside of doing your own contract, another option is to get the contract from the brand, have them go ahead and do it, because if they work with influencers, they have a history of working with influencers, then they'll have a base contract that they send over. That's usually what happens with me. And what I'll typically do is I'll actually have that contract looked over. 
So I'll take their contract that they have. I'll have it looked over and then I'll have any additions based on anybody else that I've worked with in their prior or anything like that. I'll have those additions added or I'll have specific things that they are talking about um, taken away and then sent back to them. Or I'll just tell them, hey, you know, um, I passed this off to such and such. And they said this, right? Um, I need this change made. I need this change made, which basically lets them know, okay, well, they are paying attention and they're not going to be, you know, as easy as we thought, so to speak. But, you know, they're not out to get you. They're there to work with you. It's a collaboration. But what I'm saying is, you know, is when you are going through that process, don't be afraid to, you know, to send back and say, look, you know, this is my version of what I want this uh, relationship to look like. And with that said, I also want to let you know that it's normal to negotiate. So a lot of people, when they first get started, I've actually had some friends that, that have reached out to me about this. So I won't say a lot of people or that it's normal in terms of people to be afraid, but I will say that I've had a lot of people reach out to me about this. But basically, when it comes to negotiation, it is completely normal in any professional environment. If you're a content creator and you're not used to doing that sort of thing, I just want to let you know that you should not be afraid of negotiation when it comes to this sort of thing. Because basically what you're doing when you're negotiating is you are basically taking it from a, okay, I'll just do anything you say, just give me the contract so I can make a few bucks to, I'm going to handle this like a professional. I'm going to give my input on this contract as well as what it is that you're giving me. And then we're going to find a nice place in the middle that, um, that we can meet up and then we can move forward with this particular thing. And I can say through the negotiations that I've personally had that very few of them have turned out negative to where they're like, ah, you know what, I don't want to do that or to where I'm like, you know, hey, I don't want to do that. So just be mindful that negotiation is totally normal. It's a normal thing. Don't fear blowing it. Don't think to yourself like, oh, if I negotiate, then they're not going to want to work with me. In some cases, that might happen. But in a lot of cases, it's just part of the process. They're used to that sort of thing. So don't fear blowing the opportunity to work with them based on you wanting to negotiate, okay? Now, another thing that I want to let you know about is if somebody reaches out, they want to work with you. And this is a tip on actually making your deals bigger. So if somebody reaches out to you and they want to work with you, they want to work with you because they've seen your channel and they like the content that you put out or you happen to be within the certain you know niche of content of people that they work with. And they're like, hey, here's another one. Let's reach out to them and see if they want to promote our stuff too. And when you start with that agreement or when you start that conversation, I should say, they are reaching out because they want to work with you. Okay. So since they want to work with you, when they reach out and they're like, Hey, we want to, we want one video for your YouTube channel. You know, what, what are your fees? What are your demographics? All this stuff. It's important that you put together a menu. So instead of saying, okay, well, my fee for one video is this, give them an option. What I mean by that is when they want one video and you counter with, okay, well, one video is this, and you do a little bit of price anchoring, which basically means that you give them like a few different prices based on, um, you know, something is expensive and then something is kind of like in the middle and then something's kind of lower priced. And you can kind of frame your pricing with price anchoring. You kind of frame your pricing around what would be the most, you know, either way it goes, it's a win, but what would be the thing that they would go for the most, right? So that would make the most sense to them, you know, financially and what they get out of it. And so to speak. But the idea is when you put that menu together and you say, okay, well, I typically prefer to do a series of videos or I typically prefer to do longer term contracts, then what you do in that situation is you say, for one video, it's this price. I can do a series for this price. And that would be, you know, X amount of videos, three videos, seven videos, whatever it is, you know, whatever be a right fit for the content that you make. 
And then you also have the long term to where you're like, you know, or we could do a six month contract um, that would be this much per month. And the really cool thing about doing it this way is when you do those longer term contracts is instead of you having to chase deals all the time, then those longer term contracts actually help you be able to just focus on making your content and finding as many ways as you possibly can to service or fulfill the contract and even go above and beyond, you know, just because your contract says to make, you know, three videos for them doesn't mean that you can't, you know, mention them more, that you can't make even more videos and things like that to bring even more value to them. But when you get that longer term commitment from them, one, that lets you know their faith in you, two, it also makes it to where you don't have to chase deals all the time. If you're trying to have that as one of your income sources, the sponsorships on your YouTube channel. So when you come back at them with a menu, instead of just agreeing to do one video, then what you're doing is you're opening up a wider conversation, which allows you the opportunity to work with them over a long period of time, or at the very least, double or triple the value of the deal that you would have gotten from the particular group that you're working with. Every now and then you're gonna have people that are gonna say, no, we just do one you know, per creator. And which in my opinion, doesn't really make much sense because not every person that's subscribed to a channel will watch one video and you know, spreading awareness over time instead of it just being all focused down to one video is what makes the most sense to me if you're really trying to spread some awareness. But when you take that approach and you try to get more than one video out of them by giving them a menu saying, hey, I can do one video, it's gonna be expensive, but I can do one video, or we can do a series, which is gonna give you a discount, or we can go for a long-term contract, which is gonna give you a considerable monthly discount, but then you can rest because you don't have to spend all that time you know, emailing people and trying to uh, negotiate additional deals until you start coming to the end of your contract. Now, with that, some things that you also need to make sure that you're doing, especially if it's your first deal, is make sure that you're tracking what's happening. So. When you start working with companies, like as the companies start getting bigger and things like that, depending on on what it is that you're doing, some people will want to see like how many clicks you can drive them. And I want to assure you that the amount of clicks that you drive, that is on you. If they can convert or not, that's on them. Okay. So because of that, I recommend that you do build in some type of tracking as well, because they're going to have theirs and they're going to be able to track what's coming from your channel. But I would also run your link through like a bit.ly link or something like that for the sake when possible. Sometimes they just don't, they don't want you to do it because they want a URL on the screen or something. But when you can try to put it behind a bit.ly link so that you can also track the amount of clicks that are going through that particular link. So that in the future, when you reach out and you start working with someone else, you can show that to them. So yeah, you know, I worked with this person and I, I was able to send, you know, this many clicks to them. And then that also shows them that you are aware of what's happening from your YouTube channel. Now, another thing that I want to talk about here is that you also, if you're going for that long-term deal, you also want to factor in your growth rate. So if you're like, hey, I'm going to make a video for you a month for the next six months, or I'm going to make two videos a month or three videos a month for the next six months, then factor in your growth rate too. So let's say that you're currently getting 1,000 or 10,000 or 50,000 subscribers a month. Well, factor in, you know, the amount of audience that you're gonna have as you progress through time, especially if it's something that you're gonna be doing for a year's time. Um, and the reason for that is because, you know, you're building in that audience, the, the amount of growth that you're anticipating, you're building that into the actual deal itself as well. I found that to work. Um, that's another thing um, that I found to work in terms of getting more for what it is that you're doing. I also, like when I'm doing mine, I also factor in what it is that they're selling. So if they're selling something expensive, then of course, you know, I'll charge a little bit more for it versus if they're selling something that's cheaper, because if they're selling something that's cheaper, they're going to have to convert a lot more. I'm going to have to send a lot more clicks in order to make them 
get a nice, comfortable ROI off of what it is that I'm doing a return on their investment. So because of that, you know, I'll charge typically if something's cheaper, then I'll, I'll charge a little bit less for it than if it's something to where it's going to be like recurring and their long, their lifetime customer value is going to end up being a lot compared to what it is that they're giving me. Then in that situation, I'll kind of assess things that way as well when I'm figuring out my pricing. Another thing is that in addition to factoring in your growth rate on the protection side of things and just the making sure that you're maintaining some type of control with what's going on, because look, it's your YouTube channel. They're reaching out to you because they want to work with you. Sure. You know, they might be offering you some money to where you're thinking to yourself, wow, I, you know, I could use this money to help me, you know, pay for something or whatever to fund a trip to a conference. As an example, like, hey, I'm saving up for Vid Summit for uh, 2020. And, you know, all of my sponsor money is going towards going to Vid Summit, you know, things like that. But like um, one thing that you want to make sure that you're doing, though, is is maintaining some type of control because some brands that you work with will want you to put their brand name in your title or they'll want to dictate the title that you use or they'll want to recommend you know hey we we want our these specific tags is what we want you to use don't be afraid to say hey i know my audience and they would never click on that or say hey i know my audience let me craft the title let me craft all the metadata around my video and i will put your link above the fold in the description you know i've got that part that's good but let me craft all of the stuff around my video because I'm a professional YouTuber. This is what I do or a hobby YouTuber, whatever. Like I'm the one with the channel. So let me do what it is that I do and send traffic to you so that you can do what it is that you do. So to take that approach instead of feeling like, okay, well, I got to add all this stuff to my title. And of course, people aren't going to click on it as much if I add it to my title and that sort of thing. Also, when you are working with a brand, in some cases, they're going to want to go exclusive with you. If they decide to go exclusive with you and they approach you with that, charge more money for it. And the reason for that is because when you go exclusive, you and basically what I mean by that, if you're not familiar with the terminology, is when you go exclusive, which basically means that in the particular type of product or service that that company offers, they don't want you to promote anybody else during the term of your contract. Before you decide to go exclusive, make sure that the amount of money that you're charging for it is worth it because there could be a new product that pops up to where if you were to hop on that product and you make a video about it because of the momentum that you currently have at that point in time, if you were to make a video on it, you'd be able to hop on a trend in your particular space of the type of content that you make, which would be able to help grow your channel faster, things like that. So when you go exclusive, you do give up some things, you know, like the ability to do that as an example, to be able to use some of the other products when they have updates, when they put out something really cool, if you have an exclusive deal to where you can't talk about other people or other companies, I should say, that are similar, then that kind of locks you out of some growth opportunities or some other opportunities to bring awareness to what it is that you're doing as well on YouTube. So because of that, just be really mindful of going into an exclusive contract and make sure that it is worth it for you. And one other thing that I want to make sure that I bring to your attention, and this has been going around a lot lately, when it comes to brand deals and when it comes to you know, getting sponsorships, a lot of people are really excited for it. And, and it's totally understandable. I mean, you know, I'm excited when I get those emails too, right? When people are like, hey, Nick, you know, we want to work with you about something. I'm like, sweet, you know, let's talk about it. But when you get those people reaching out, sometimes there are groups out there that will send out emails and they do them for the sake of trying to get into your YouTube account. So I also want to let you know that there are some really shady people out there, some scammers that they basically use the front of, hey, we're going to give you a brand deal to gain access to your YouTube account. 
So be very mindful of clicking on the links that come to you in emails. Never, ever click on a link inside of your Gmail account that's connected to your YouTube channel. Never click on links in your account anyway. But when you do, make sure that they're coming from YouTube. Make sure that they're coming from the actual sponsor themselves. But you never want to click on your YouTube links. You never want to click on any notification where it's like, oh, hey, we have a problem with your channel. You need to click on this and check out what the problem is now or to dispute it or whatever. Close the email, log into your YouTube account. If it's legitimate, if it's a problem, YouTube will let you know inside of your dashboard. When it comes to the sponsors, one of the scams that they're running is people will say, hey, you know, we're going to offer you this like a lot of money so that you will make like a video for us. And you'll say, okay, great. You know, let's, let's have that conversation. And they'll say, okay, first we need you to click on this link and grant our website access to your YouTube channel so that we can look at your demographics. Offer to send them a screenshot instead. Offer to send them screenshots, use services like socialbluebook.com because they're reputable. Um, with socialbluebook.com, you can connect your account there and then you can send your demographics directly through socialbluebook.com. But you want to use services like that instead of connecting your account through one of those services because what can happen is you connect that through one of those scammy services and the next thing you know, they have your YouTube account. They fully take it over, kick you out of the account. They delete your videos. They do all types of stuff. They hold it for ransom, that sort of thing. That's a real thing that happens to content creators and you want to avoid it at all costs. So always make sure that what you're connecting your account with, even if it's a sponsor, that's why I'm bringing it up during this conversation today. Even if it's somebody that's that's willing to, or telling you, I should say, they're not willing because they're trying to scam you. But if they are saying to you, hey, you know, we're going to give you this substantial amount of money to make a video or any money to make a video, but we need you to connect your account first, me personally, because my YouTube channel is an asset, I always walk away from those because if it's not somewhere reputable that I am aware of or somebody that I know is aware of, then I will never connect my account where somebody else can possibly have access to my account. And I recommend that you do the same. So of course, there are like tools and services and things like that that are required to connect your YouTube account to, which is fine, you know, but just make sure that any of those places that you are connecting to make sure that they are a reputable place. I would love to know your thoughts on the show today. Um, hopefully you learned something from the information that we talked about today. I'd um, love to know your thoughts. Definitely when you get the chance, please leave a written review. Um, that helps other people know when they're looking around saying, hey, should we, you know, should we listen to this podcast or not? People that are not familiar, um, you know, with my YouTube channel or, or me or, or what's going on here with the podcast, it lets them know that, hey, you know, this is legit or, you know, whatever your thoughts are, you know, if you think it sucks, you know, you feel free to leave that comment too. <laughs> but, you know, I would appreciate a written review of some kind to just to let other people know. And that also lets me know how you're feeling about the show as well. And again, make sure that if there is anything that you're looking for for your YouTube channel, that you head over to bestcreatortools.com. And if you have a question about what it is that you want or what it is that you're doing on YouTube, make sure that you put it in the submission form at the commentsovercoffee.com website. Links to that are in the show notes that are attached to this episode. And I hope you learned something today. Thanks for having a coffee with me. Get show notes, resources, and more over at commentsovercoffee.com or grab yourself a refill and listen to another episode.